the convention collective Sandbox. At Emerald City Comic Con 2019. Okay, so we're here talking with Norm Harper. And um, the main reason I want to talk to you is because I've read sequels one and two. And I love them. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we got an email, what, like a month ago. And uh, Dan sent it over to me and asked if something I would be interested in, in reading. And I immediately said yes because... 80s people and paranormal things are very on brand for me. Um, so yeah, I read it, and there are a lot of things in there that I was not expecting. You you go outside of the genre in ways that I really enjoyed. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about that and just how you approach your work and all that jazz. But first, since we're here at Emerald City Comic Con. Um, what are you excited for while you're here? What, what are kind of your con highlights whenever you attend these types of events? Um, it's, it's actually really interesting. I uh, Normally when I come to a con, I've, I'm anchored behind a table. And that's uh, that's all I think about. Is it, you know, it's like working a retail job. you got to go like, clock in, like when can I, you know, be at work, open the table, sell to the customer, like schedule my break, make sure somebody can cover me. And it's like going to work. This con, um, I don't have a table. And so just roaming the floor and seeing things. And I, I have some obligations I have to meet, but just being able to sort of take an hour and enjoy myself as a fan is the most exciting thing to me uh, at this show because I haven't done that in a couple years now. So. And is this like one of your preferred ways to interact with fans? Do you like talking to people online more or less? Or? I'm terrible online. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it, my, my online persona, for anyone that may um, hear this, is like, uh, I've got a Twitter account, at that norm dude, uh, uh-huh. I'm on Instagram, but I'm, I'm basically like, online I'm a nervous guy at a party, like I'm standing in the corner, if you come talk to me, I'm happy to talk, like yay, but I have, I have, uh, a little bit of anxiety like putting myself out there online what I love is to be at a con be behind the table and uh, either sell the book or talk to people who previously bought the book and loved it and, and interact that way I'm, I'm much better in person uh, again I think because it's um, like I said it's kind of like retail job and, and I, I did that a lot growing up I'm very comfortable in that space and online, I'm just an old man and, and nothing makes any sense. <laughs> uh, but if you at me, like, I'm happy to talk. Like, and, and you know, I, I retweet uh, reviews and appearances and things like that. Yeah, no, uh, but I, I really enjoy one-on-one interaction more, more so. Um, are there any particular fans or artists, other writers that you're particularly excited to hang out with this weekend? Uh, yeah, my... Uh, when you do enough conventions, you you um, you develop like friendships that sort of exist only in convention world. Yep. <laughs> and so um, last night, uh, Michael Tanner and I went to dinner. Uh, Junior Braves of the Apocalypse, Pomoni. Uh, uh, we, we're both in the LA area. We occasionally see each other outside the convention thing, but but we're we're very good convention uh, friends. And I try not to like the people that I'm like. 
that I geek out over. Like I try to just admire from a distance, <laughs> from almost I guess like professional courtesy. Like uh, I, I, I haven't done anything like where I stand in line for a, a signature or anything in, in quite some time. Not because I don't want to, but just because of uh, when, once you're working the convention, it, it kind of takes on a different space. Yeah. So uh, I may it's it's early yet. I may end up doing some of that this weekend since I don't have the table. Uh, but I hadn't given a lot of thought to it. So, in like going off that idea of kind of finding a family at conventions, mm-hmm. uh, in your book, the sequels, um, there's definitely some strong nice found family vibes, um, and I really loved seeing that whole community of even though it's a, a fairly small one, you know, there mm-hmm. aren't oodles and oodles of people who've had paranormal experiences in their childhoods and then right. existential depression in their middle middle age but uh, <laughs> so I loved seeing how you threw those characters together and how they interact uh, what are some other stories maybe that you watched when you were a kid that had that same kind of found family feeling what things drew you to creating your own found family um Breakfast Club is mm-hmm. what I go back to a lot with the sequels in particular. And when I was uh, one of the things I said to fan base when I was pitching it is like it's it's the Breakfast Club meets the Avengers, where like um, that like it, it is this, this found family of, of you know four people that wouldn't otherwise be together, uh, but um, and we're going to be paying homage to all the city stuff, but in a certain way, it is the Avengers in that it's it's it acts as one sequel. To all four right. adventures, mm-hmm. um, but it, but it is uh, ultimately about uh, uh, their own internal emotional, like like them being together. They're going to discover things about themselves uh, in that Breakfast Club way. Yeah. So so that was really that's what I went back to all the time. Uh, but uh, you know Goonies and Monster Squad. There was a lot of, of stuff like that of like really tight knit friendships. Uh, but they tended to be a little bit more, um, like you understood why all those kids were friends, like from the start, because you know they had to be, um, and and so something where like they're all coming in together, uh, forced to by something outside themselves. Like I looked at the Breakfast Club a lot. Yeah, and, and you definitely get some of those Breakfast Club vibes even within the first few pages after after they all meet up. Uh, I love that. The art transition in the beginning of the first issue that yeah. was so cool um i was not expecting it and, and it was really neat to see the art jump from Thank a more you. 80s style to a more modern style along with the, the characters themselves um and that's one of the things i think that really sets the book apart in my mind from other similar stories um and then the other big thing for me that sets it apart is this focus on existential depression <laughs> and how you threw these characters together through a support group for people yeah. who've had these problems and obviously there's something bigger going on with the guy who organized it and mm-hmm. I can't wait to learn more about that um, but is there anything in particular that interested you in examining the psyche of these kinds of people I, I just tried to think as realistically as possible like what if, if you were Elliot from E.T. like what would the rest of your life look like yeah um, <laughs> you know you had this wonderful adventure you met this this great friend um, and and then he goes home and and you 
and yeah, like your big brother and your sister and everybody too, you're not completely alone, but you you do have this knowledge about the universe that you can't really share with anyone yeah. else. And uh, that's got to, at a certain point, put distance between you and the rest of the world. And like, can Elliot just grow up and have a regular job and get married and raise a family? Or is he always like, like we got, like I'm telling you, they're out there. We got, you know, and, and um, so I, I, I just tried to, to say like, okay, realistically this happens, there's not a happy ending. And I, I tried to extrapolate that uh, from there um, in a way that ultimately the sequels has a happy ending. Uh, it just takes that extra adventure for all of those characters to get there. That, that initial childhood spark of magic is, uh, I think... Um, it's really just the most dramatic midlife crisis you could ever have. Right, right. <laughs> and and I, I looked at, at stuff like Hook, and I, I love Hook, like, but... Like, did you really forget you were Peter Pan? Did you really forget that you flew around and fought pirates? Like, how do you forget that? Yeah. And, and, and but he has to forget it for the story to, to, you know, start where it does. And I just, like, no, he wouldn't forget that. So if you don't forget it, like, who do you end up being? Yeah, and it also raises interesting questions about, just in general, how a lot of people tend to feel like their childhood experiences can never match up to mm -hmm. their experiences as an adult and that a lot of us are, are seeking out these types of stories that bring in nostalgia from that mm -hmm. time because we're, we are trying to relive it in small ways. Right, and yeah, it became the perfect metaphor for say, saying something about uh, my generation, uh, which I think is not, not alone, but was, I think the first to hold on to childhood. Quite so, like, like my parents, like, oh yeah, I used to watch How to Do It in the Mickey Mouse Club, and now I have no attachment to it. Yeah. But my brother and I are like, the Ninja Turtles, the Transformers, it's all amazing! <laughs> and, and we're constantly sort of seeking this thing, um, and I don't know, you know, what that is, but it, it does seem to be generational, that, that everyone my age or younger, uh, like, really holds on tightly to this stuff, and... and there was a line in the sand where like the older generation did not or if they did they were like kind of a singular uh, yeah they were like know, the personality yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like my dad but, but now that it's it's uh, yeah now, now your dad would not be the weirdo he'd just yeah. be like we're all like yeah Star Trek that's great yeah. and um, yeah so it was it was based on sort of like exploring that like recapturing childhood magic if your childhood was literally magical Yes. No, and it's really cool to see how the different experiences that they've had are going to play out throughout the the four issues of the story. And I'm really excited to see some vampires and That's good. Next I don't even know what the wishing stone is tied to. I have theories, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. Yet. But that that whole element's really cool as well. Um, are there any other uh, stories, maybe, or like 80s heroes or, or villains that you didn't get to include in this arc that you wanted to, or? Yeah, um, when it started, like, I, I basically was just, I was looking at everything, and I was thinking about, like I said, uh, like, like I, I do love movies like E.T. and Monster Squad, um, but like my big fandom is in the, the old cartoons uh, that I'd, I'd come home after school and watch or Saturday morning. 
Uh, and so I kind of had an ideal board that was like, you know, um, all of that stuff in the Knight Rider A-Team. And I, I found that, okay, if it's going to be about the kids growing up, like, that was more of a movie convention, like, to have the kid as the star. Um, if you had kids in the cartoon shows, they tended to be sidekicks or, you know. And uh, with television, like, um, kind of the same thing. Like, like this Punky Brewster could be in it, but Punky Brewster really didn't do anything, <laughs> you know. Uh, she just lived with the old guy. Um, so uh, I, I had to, I found that I kind of had to narrow it down. You know, the, the original inspiration was E.T., and then I said, like, everything 80s, and then I, I had to, like, zero back in on the movies um, for the story to have the proper structure. But yeah, I uh, I would love um, to either do a similar project about cartoon characters or to literally get my hands on a licensed property. I've got I actually have a pitch for Transformers, and I'm waiting for either like my star to rise enough or Hasbro to get desperate enough that we can like <laughs> make that happen. Um, uh, so yeah, stuff like that would I like I'd love love to do that. Yeah, and I I definitely would love to read more about like depressed people in general but you know um, depression based off of these paranormal experiences that you can't share with people I think it's, it, it is such an interesting analog for how alienating it can be to be like a nerd mm -hmm. the, like the token nerd in your friend group or in your school and just mm -hmm. feeling like you're the only one who gets what yeah. you went through as a kid so it's a really because, it's yeah, a really interesting corollary that even, even as the like the, like I was saying the generational like oh like so many people are into this kind of things like yeah. there's still that isolating um, thing that I think everyone uh, deals with on one level or another uh, and that was that was a lot of fun to, to explore in this especially for comic books because when you're reading it really is a very solitary experience and yeah. no matter how articulately you can try to express that experience it ultimately never feels like anyone totally gets it right. so yeah comics are definitely that's I, for me maybe the one limitation to the medium of comics uh, it's odd because sequels is not uh, an all ages book by any means mm -hmm. it's about nostalgia so it has to be aimed at people who can yeah. but mo all my other work um, previously and the stuff that I'm working on now is all all ages stuff I love writing things for, for kids and I, I do find though that that's kind of the one thing is you can't you can't have that, that story time experience with a comic as well as with, with prose work and uh, mm -hmm. so that's part, like comics is sort of like isolated where um, kids books or even like book clubs and novels you don't see that as much for comics um, so people do tend to share prose a little bit more and comics are like you and the book um, I, I wish there were I had a way around that sometimes yeah. well talking about sharing books uh, I've been talking to everybody this weekend about kind of the role of social media in mm -hmm. helping to promote writers and promote your brand outside of like specific works but promoting you and and uh, just what you're doing getting people excited for new projects and things so uh, obviously that that vein of free promotion can be somewhat uh, damaging or scary at times but do you have any particular like really positive experiences or anything where book Twitter or 
like Instagram has been super helpful for a particular book or story? I don't know that I do. Okay. And that, that goes back to me being an old man. Um, I uh, I definitely recognize social media as uh, the potential of the tool. I have trouble grappling with that. Um, watching fan base press and the way that they make use of social media has been a, a great education. And I'm like, I need to be more like them. And I, I actually do. You know, we're like, not only do they have like their company account but every title they publish has its own Twitter account that you can follow mm-hmm. um, and then they have their personal accounts and they they really do a, a great job of kind of weaving this web that if you just liked Kinsey eventually you're going to hear about everything else you know right, and right. Uh, that, that's really really smart but I um, yeah I, I, I do not do well. I, I'll, I'll sit there for hours, like composing a tweet, and then I just delete it and walk away. I can't like. Um, so that that's that is a that's a weakness. I I, I recognize it's a weakness for me. I don't, I don't say like, oh, you kids and you're crazy. Like I get it. Like I'm missing out, but I struggle. Well, that's with that. why you're talking to us, so we yes. can we yes. can help you out with that. Um, are there any other than the sequels? Since we mostly talked about that, yes. uh, I know you're here promoting another book as well. Do you yes. want to talk a little bit about that one? Uh, I just had a graphic novel drop uh, from Lion Forge. It came out uh, comic book stores on the sixth, and it actually comes out uh, bookstores, Amazon, everywhere else on the nineteenth. Uh, it's called Half Haven, and it's about a thirteen-year-old girl who steps on a crack and does, in fact, break her mother's back. So she has to travel to Haphaven, which is the magical world from which all of Earth's superstitions draw their power in order to retrieve a rabbit's foot to save her mother. So similar uh, with the sequels, I took like all these movies and, and crafted one universe. So Haphaven is uh, four-leaf clovers, black cats, horseshoes, spilling salt, knocking on wood. Um, we take all that, we unify it under a single mythology. And um, it's uh, a really fun fantasy story. Uh, it's YA, so it, it's a little older than some of the other stuff I've done, but it isn't full-on sequels uh, age range. And uh, I'll be actually signing that to no tonight. Today's Friday, right? Yes. Yes, to, tonight at seven o'clock at the Barnes and Noble on Seventh and Pine. Awesome. Uh, we're having signing uh, for that. I'm just sitting here grinning like an idiot because this sounds so good. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really proud of it. Uh, Louis Joyce uh, was the artist on it. He's uh, out of Australia, so uh, he's not at the con this weekend, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, we're just super, super happy with it. Um, it's, it's been a long road getting it done. Um, and uh, I, I really hope uh, people check it out and respond to it. Um, yeah, is this um, this or the sequels or anything really? Have any of these stories kind of been stewing for a super super long time? Oh or? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so my first comic was Ricky, uh, an adaptation of Ricky Tikki Tabby uh, in graphic novel form. It came out in 2016, and I had been trying to tell that story for about since about 2008 or so. Uh, and then the first seeds for Half Haven were planted at about the same time. Um, and uh, Ricky was being shopped as an animated feature for a while. And comics is my first love, so I eventually got tired of that process and I said, I'm just going to make a comic. And I did. And um, 
I, and I actually I sat down and I was like, which which story do I want to do as a comic? And I I picked Ricky because it's like, like screw it up. It's Kipling's. It's not my, like this one is mine. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, we we sort of made that that leap um, for that reason. Uh, but they both worked out wonderfully. Uh, sequels is um, an idea that goes back not quite as far, but, but probably like. Right around the time I started Ricky the Comics, so right around 2013 or so, um, I lived near the uh, the park in ET where they like drive the van oh, up wow. into, and, and that like metal. I don't uh-huh. know how well you see it in your mind, but there's a there's like a metal caterpillar like uh-huh. that kids uh-huh. can climb on. That's still there, uh, and everyone in the community like refers to it as the ET Park. If you Google ET Park, I think it comes up on Google Maps. Uh, even though that's not the name of the park, it's just so. Um, I was just hiking one day and I passed the park and uh, paused and I looked around and was like like oh okay so I think this is different and I think they painted that house back there and, and, and I was like oh like, this is different in this way like like what's that how's Elliot different like what like how's he doing and and then I was like oh that's a story I can tell and, and that started just brewing um, in the back of my mind and uh, once I finished Half Haven uh, we were still shopping it but I, I didn't know where it would land or at what point, so I, I got to jump into another book. So I pitched fan base on, I've got this idea about these kids and, and what might happen. They were, they were game, so we jumped awesome. in. Yeah. I love that, that personal anecdote that <laughs> ties into the sequel sense. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that'll about do it. Okay. Uh, do you have any, do you have any last words? About <laughs> uh, last words. Like, whoa. <laughs> I have to finish the sequels. <laughs> um, no, I just uh, I'm glad people are responding to the sequels. Uh, I, it's it's sort of the most um, uh, most personal in in a, in a way. I uh, I also told fan base like when I was I, was, I said uh, this is going to be like a, a Willie Nelson song, mm-hmm. but like I'm I'm singing about my sins. Like this is this is my, the way that I've interacted with pop culture, the the mistakes that I've made in being a gatekeeper, or in being embarrassed by it and lying like, no, I don't like that. That's dumb, and hoping no one finds out because I'm I'm 14. I'm too old for the Ninja Turtles, you know. Um, those sorts of emotions, I was just going to put out there and not lecture the audience, but hope that in the same way that if Willie sings about like. Uh, you know, abusing uh, controlled substances or mistreating the ones he loves. He's not. He's not lecturing you about that in your own life. But if you reflect, like, like you, you sort of, you go like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And and I was, I was really worried that it was going to come off like a lecture. Uh, and grow up. But uh, it, it seems to have resonated correctly. Uh, so I'm really excited for the whole thing to be out there. And uh, I'm, I'm glad people are taking it. I think, and it's intended um, form. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.